Yeah, yeah. I think I think it's twenty four percent of uh, women um, in in tech, and then when you get move up the chain of people, uh, women in in uh, managerial roles or um, CEO and founder roles, those numbers keep declining. So that's something that um, needs to continue to change, and diversity is just so important. Hello, hello, hello. I'm super excited today. Very, very excited, in fact, because I have the Sabelle Negris uh, joining us uh, for episode 45. My gosh, we've been doing this for a while now, but episode 45 of the Afternoon Tea. Sabelle, before I start, let me set this up, if you please. Sabelle Negris is a serial entrepreneur, seasoned board member, speaker, mentor, and columnist. In 2000, Sabelle became the CEO and co-founder of webnames.ca, Canada's original .ca registrar. Sabelle serves on multiple boards, including, and this is important, it'll take me a little bit here. The current boards include Blue Shore Financial, Canadian American Business Council, Science World, BCAA, the Royal Canadian Mint, BC Small Business Roundtable, Riverview Lands Redevelopment, Women Get On Board, and Passboards, which are very impressive as well, is the Vancouver Economic Development Commission, Real Estate Board of Greater Vancouver, the Forum for Women Entrepreneurs, Small Business BC, Capilano University Foundation, Premier's Technology Council, and SFU Innovates, among many that I'm not even mentioning. Um, a Hall of Fame inductee of Canada's top 100 most powerful woman and nine-time winner of Profit W100. Some of Sabelle's other recognition includes BC Business's Most Influential Women in Business and Business in Vancouver's Influential Women in Business and a top 40 under 40. Sabelle is a columnist for Business in Vancouver, Marketing News Canada, and a regular contributor to Ford's Business Council. She speaks at Dozens of events each year, including TEDx and Level Up Conference with former Prime Ministers Harper and Chrétien. Very impressive. Sabelle, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much, Chris, for having me here. This is such an honor to be here. Oh, well, it's, it's, the honor is honestly all mine. Well, you know what? Let's start with the brass tacks. Web names. Tell me about the creation story, please. Yeah, so web names is such an interesting story. Um, it was with a few, a few co-founders, but um, mm -hmm. I actually met uh, John Demko um, in 1999 when I was doing some contract work after I had exited um, another company. And uh, John was um, the original founder of the .ca domain name in Canada. So mm -hmm. he started this in 1987. And this is before really the World Wide Web, before really people were using email. And this was definitely before the commercialization of the internet. Mm -hmm. So the foundations of our um, what we know today as the internet was built by pioneers like John. Mm -hmm. So they did all of this work for nothing, um, not to make <laughs> any money. And it was really um, a labor of love, right? This was his volunteer effort to create and um, retain a, an internet, ident uh, internet identity for all Canadians. So um, he was running the registry for 13 years for free. Mm -hmm. And um, I met him when he had about 100,000 .ca domain names under management, and he was working seven days a week until two o'clock in the morning, and he had a full-time job as the facilities wow. manager of the, of the computer science holding at uh, UBC. Mm -hmm. So I worked with him to understand his story and realize that like a lot of the policies and things like that were in his head. Um, we, there, there was no website, ironically, 
to register a .ca domain name. You had to fax in documentation and you had to email mm -hmm. information to John in order to get your .ca. And I thought, okay, this we, there's gotta be a better system. <laughs> so um, with the technology transfer manager at DC, um, as well as we hired um, somebody to do the coding, we built the first system to uh, register.cas and we started charging a fee for it. Eventually selling that technology in the registry to the Canadian Re uh, Registration Authority who continue today, um, 21 years later to run the .ca registry. And we became web names as one of the accredited registrars first selling just .cas and uh, now about 800 different products 21 years later. Wonderful, wonderful. Now, was that the first .ca you registered was web names or what is the first .ca domain oh, that you registered yeah. personally? So for us, it would have been webnames.ca. Um, mm -hmm. The interesting story goes back to the 19, 1987 and when John first registered um, mm -hmm. the first, very first .ca, that was um, UPEI. Really? Yeah. What, yeah. U, UEPI, you said? Uh, UPEI, the University of um, uh, Prince oh, Edward Island. It, but yeah. uh, like, I, I knew the history about it being from UBC. I mean, I remember back mm -hmm. in the day when, you know, it was unixg.ubc.ca and, you, you know, I was actually right. part of that movering when they moved from, you know, the, the big old servers to, you know, having a lot of space. In fact, we played tennis in the old server room because it created so much space when, when we moved right. the UNIXG servers and everything. But um, that's, that's interesting. So why would, why would the PEI, if, he, if he's at UBC and it was centered there, why would PEI be the first domain registered? Well, that that's John, right? Like he, <laughs> he probably would have like anybody else would have said, well, let's do UBC first. But um, being who John is, completely fair, and whichever came in first in terms of the application, he processed first. So um, UPI was the first registration. But that wow. that speaks to who he is. That's amazing. I mean, I love the fact that it's one of our smallest, you know, but very important provinces was the uh, the first to get their foot in. I, I think that's I think that's fantastic. And I do remember the old system where you had to email, like fax things in. It made no sense because you had to prove you're Canadian by address and all that sort of a thing too. Totally. Um, you had yeah. to fax in like a hydro bill, and in order to get your top level .ca, you had yeah. to be um, uh, provincially registered in um, two provinces or be federally incorporated. Otherwise you would have to get like chris.vancouver.bc.ca or something like that. So um, that, that's, that's what the system used to be like. That, that is, and that's how a computer scientist would think about it. <laughs> it's not the simplification, it's about order. And, uh, and it, it makes, it makes okay. total sense when you think about, it. well, how is the, how is, I mean, that was in 2000, 1999, 2000. Uh, I remember those days well. Um, how has the uh, domain registry industry changed since then? Well, um, big changes, um, you know, over the years, the um, .ca is a CCTLD or country code top level domain. Um, we started offering .com actually after, even though .com came first um, back in 1985, but we started registering them shortly after .ca and there were a bunch of other domain names like .info, .biz and so forth that came later. Um, those were called the kind of the original um, top level domains. 
But in um, 2013, ICANN, the um, organization that basically delegates domain names around the world, changed the rules. And in 2013, they said to anybody who wants to apply for their own dot something can do so. You pay $185,000 US for an application fee, and therefore you can um, basically run your, your own registry. Mm-hmm. Well, when you announce a change like that, the entrepreneurs jump on board. Uh-huh. And I think they didn't really um, expect that many applications, but um, I think close to 2,000 applications were received from anything from like dot bike to dot gold to dot ninja dot yoga yeah. you name it there was a dot something mm-hmm. so that launched in 2013 and really became that new domain explosion which we continue to um, you know to to launch a few more um, today so dot mm-hmm. day is coming out shortly in December and mm-hmm. we're still rolling out some of these domain names. And, and, and they're wonderful because, I mean, it really extended what you could and could not do in terms of the names. I mean, we're .studio. Uh, people always want to put a .com on the end of it, but I'm like, no, we're sophisticated. Yeah. We don't need a .com. Um, but also, you know, at the end of the day, the, the pure cost. I mean, we were looking at TTT.com. And yeah, it's a great deal if we want to spend $3 million, right? It's It doesn't really make sense when for, you know, $40 a, a year, we can have the uh, the other TDL, which uh, .studio, which is works for us quite quite Absolutely. well. Well. Well, that, I mean, I'm just hoping that the people that are getting that 2,000 applications from ICANN isn't doing that as a part-time job like John was before. Like that would be uh, that would be a very uh, difficult uh, difficult offering, I'd imagine. Though it has taken years, I suppose, to uh, to, to to filter to filter through uh, the, the the process. Um, mm-hmm. Well, you know what? One thing that's super impressed me uh, as as we we touched on the uh, the introduction is is the amount of boards that you sit on and the, the value you must create with it. I mean, I know my brother, for example, he sits on the uh, the uh, the board for the uh, Richmond Hospital. And he loves it. Like it's just, it's such yeah. a um, an awesome thing. Now you you sit on. Mm-hmm. What I would say if if I had a dream list, you know, it would be like, yep, you're on most of them, which is which is which is really amazing. So can you just tell me in your in your own mind what are the benefits of of serving on so many grade A organizations? Yeah. So um, I think there's the benefit and also the the act of giving back, right? So mm-hmm. you know, for for me, serving on these boards um, it has been kind of a 15 year um, journey in the making. Mm-hmm. First, starting with not for profit boards and um, the the learning process of of doing that into um, the for profit boards today. And for me, it's been a huge learning experience in terms of governance practices, strategy. Um, risk mitigation and, and learning all of that and how to govern a larger organization. Because, you know, sitting on the board of the Royal Canadian Mint, um, you know, two and a half billion dollar organization, I wouldn't mm-hmm. otherwise have the opportunity to do that. So um, huge learnings there. And um, the benefit is I, I get to serve with some really, really smart people, both on the management side and with my fellow directors as well. These are people who are absolutely top notch in what they do. And um, I continue to bring back um, you know, thoughts, ideas, and um, learnings to my own business, which I think is really fantastic. Um, That's wonderful. 
the other part I think is, um, you know, the, the act of giving back, it's really fulfilling mm. and it helps me, um, on that challenge and journey of continuous learning because, you know, being in a business for 21 years, even though we continue to innovate and build new things, um, trying to take that business to the next level is you just need to learn more from, um, really skilled and smart people in, in huge organizations. So I think mm -hmm. that's been fantastic for me um wonderful and then being able to serve on boards like science world for instance amazing um <laughs> giving back right mm -hmm. the just um the amazing work that science world does in terms of um educating the the um youth of um and the leaders of tomorrow really in, in stem um and really building the the workforce of our future um that's really fulfilling for me and that's awesome. And you know what, as, as a parent uh, who has two kids who have gone, gone through the, you know, the season passes with that, uh, with science world now yeah. that I recognize the value that you bring. And also that it really is a volunteer group. It's, it's a huge group of people that bring such value to our community. So, you know, I really do salute you on that. And, uh, you know, that I, I hope it does bring, you know, fulfills your heart and, and, and whatever else is, you know, is helping you on that side, because it, it does so much to the kids and, and parents like myself and other people. So th thank you, first and foremostly. Well, well, you know, I've, I've got a question on that because I mean, how many is too many? Like how many boards do you say no to? <laughs> it's a good question. Yeah, I, I do say no quite often. Um, you know, be, I think being um, a female in, in tech um, offers a lot of opportunities because most um, organizations today are looking for diverse board members um, with also a technology background. Mm -hmm. So um, having been through um, technology or business transformation projects, um, knowing about cybersecurity, um, IT, and so forth, um, gives me an edge. So I get, I, I probably get two to three um, asks a month. A month. So okay. I do, I do say no a lot, um, unfortunately. But what that um, affords me the opportunity to do is um, basically pass on those opportunities to other people that I think mm -hmm. are highly qualified because there are so many amazing people who are very qualified for these roles. So um, if I if I have to say no, just because of time and capacity, or I think mm -hmm. there is a better fit for somebody else, then I mm -hmm. will pass on those opportunities to somebody else. That's wonderful. Do, do you ever mentor anyone who, who you think could be great on the boards that you can offer some assistance to and uh, direct them towards yeah. uh, you know the opportunity? Yeah, so um, I'm on um, I'm on an organization called Women Get On Board. So um, I'm the regional ambassador for um, Western Canada to get more women um, on on various boards in the country. So um, I do pass along um, a lot of um, folks to that organization that has Beautiful. the resources and the training and education to help women. Um, I do mentor um, through uh, a mentorship program through the Women's Executive Network, and I've mm -hmm. done that for 10 years. So this is my Wonderful. 10th year with my mm -hmm. 10th mentor, mentee. <laughs> and um, so that's been really um, fulfilling as well. And many of them have been in technology, but not necessarily. Some have wanted to um, kind of rise in their careers in their mm -hmm. current roles or others are looking towards entrepreneurship as well. Mm -hmm. So, uh, so I, I get the opportunity to meet some really amazing women and uh, to help them through their careers. That's awesome. That is, that is awesome. Well, what was, do you remember, what was the first board you sat on? Oh gosh. Um, it would have been 
back in the kind of early to mid 2000s, I was president of Wired Women in Vancouver. Mm-hmm. And um, that was a volunteer organization um, with, I think we had 30 volunteers. Uh, we ran three different programs, mentorship, um, education, and networking. Mm-hmm. And it was a ton of work um, to <laughs> try to elevate uh, women who were aspiring um, to um, you know, hire careers in the technology industry, but also women who wanted to get into um, technology, didn't really know where to start and, and mm-hmm. what to pursue. So um, we had a mentorship program that um, actually supported well over 300 women. Mm-hmm. over the years that I was running. And um, eventually I had my second child and had to kind of step off for a, a little bit of time mm-hmm. um, to spend time with family. But uh, the, the organization um, now continues through, um, I think it's the um, women's in, Women in Communications group. That's great. That's good. So I mean, I love, that's, that's awesome. I mean, I love infrastructure that just builds and builds and builds on, you know, uh, it's the building blocks towards creating a greater community. So I think, I think that's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what was, what was a good lesson from the first time you served? Like, what's the one thing that you said, wow, I'm, I'm either going to do this or not do this after that very first board you served on? Yeah. So um, I think back then I didn't really know uh, very much about serving on boards. I was mm-hmm. playing a volunteer role and um, trying to delegate work to, to different individuals. And that was more um, of a volunteer board. Um, the, the one that I really um, started to understand, like the workings of governance and so forth, was um, on the board of Small Business BC mm-hmm. and um, you know, came, came on that board with a, a number of other board members and um, learning about what governance means. Mm-hmm. And for that board, um, it runs under a different governance model. It's called the Carver Governance Model. Mm-hmm. which um, I didn't know anything about, but we went through the Carver governance training and re- the structure of that's really helping people to um, understand what the difference between management and directorship. So mm-hmm. um, the management deals with the day-to-day operations of the business and the board of directors is on the oversight role of mm-hmm. the management and, and the, and the, um, the, uh, strategy and not involved in the day-to-day operations. So um, that was a great learning for me because what you don't want are directors that are kind of trying to step in and micromanage what yeah. ma- um, the management team are doing because you want them to do their best work. You set the direction and you set all the strategic elements of what you're trying to achieve, your oversight of um, st- the strategy and the risk really important, but you don't want to be meddling in the day-to-day. So that was a really great learning for me that I've taken into my future board roles. That's awesome. And do you, do, do you run, like, I'm assuming you have a board at web names as well. Do you, do you run it in a very similar way? We do. Um, so I'm not the chair, I'm the CEO. I do, I do yeah. believe in um, the separation of mm-hmm. um, the, the roles. Um, so we do have a different chair. And um, so, yeah, I, I run it um, as if it was a separate board. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I report to the board on a quarterly basis um, with board reports and mm-hmm. compliance certificates. And, you know, you name it, we, we go through um, the proper processes of running um, a board meeting as if this was, um, you know, any other organization where I serve on a board. 
That's awesome. Cause I think it's, I mean, especially with a lot of startups, it's hard to have that formation. You know, it's, it's almost a, Oh, we know legally we need to have that or, 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 you know, the setup needs to have a board and all that, but Hey mom, you're on the board, you know, like that sort of a thing, but you know, but you have to, at one point modernize that. Right. And uh, how long did it take web names to modernize your own board? Well, we actually um, did it fairly early um, mm -hmm. because we had um, different partners who were involved. So we we all served on the board, and uh, we also had UBC um, that was a, um, a one of the shareholders. So mm -hmm. we ran um, board meetings, um, you know, like any um, you know, larger private company or even a public company without the external disclosures that are required. Mm -hmm. So um, yeah, we we did it fairly early on just because we had a number of different um, you know, shareholders and directors involved that uh, we wanted to, to make sure that we had proper governance in place. So we mm -hmm. did it pretty much from the start. I guess that's the benefits of having mature partners, uh, you know, that have those requirements already put in place because mm -hmm. you can actually learn from that right away instead of, you know, like I say, a lot of startups, I talk to them and the board is, it's a thing, but you know, once they get to, you know, that kind of seed round, then it becomes a real thing when, when, when investors want to sit on the board. Um, right. But, you know, when you have mature partners who have requirements, uh, you know, you better start off right, or you're not going to keep those partners for very long. And that must've been Absolutely. a real learning right off the bat for you then. Cause you, you, yeah. Were you, you didn't sit on any boards prior to web names or did you sit on prior uh, to web names? No, I didn't. So that, that was the first, um, yeah. So technically uh, my first board would have been web names. Makes um, sense. Makes sense. But yeah. And, and um, you know, I think for, for us, um, you know, having that proper governance in place is so important to us. Mm -hmm. And I think it, um, it really helped us um, mature as a company and, you um, we always did things uh, right with the right integrity and with the strategic plan. And I think it's actually really helped us um, by having mm -hmm. that in place early on. No, I, th I think that's going to make, make, it makes you be a real business right away instead of a, mm -hmm. a you know, the, 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 the dirty startup of running around trying to just figure out which fire is in front of you or where you need to put it out. So, um, well, that's, I think that's great. Well, you know, when, 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 when are you ready to sit on a board? Even? Like, do you have to have some experience? Do you have to have some mentorship? Like, is there, you know, is there a time that you think, okay, you know, I have enough industry experience or maybe not? Um, when, when do you think someone should be ready? Yeah, I think, um, you know, anybody can be ready. And um, I think part of it is what, what are you aspiring to do? Um, I think number one, you have to uh, understand your own motivations of wanting to serve on a board. Like, is mm -hmm. it to, to learn? Is it to give back? Is, is it a fundraising board for um, an organization like um, the Richmond Hospital Foundation that you want to be? Um, is there something near and dear and close to your heart? Um, or is it, you know, some people want to serve on a board because it is another career. Um, mm -hmm. People are thinking about retiring and, um, you know, some of the, the larger boards and the public boards in particular, you can get compensated very well. So mm -hmm. um, you can see that as a trajectory for people who are on their way um, to retirement. And that's something that they want to do as um, mm -hmm. kind of retirement planning and, and they can continue their careers in, in like 70 or something. Sure. So um, I think first understanding your motivations of what, what it is you're trying to do. Um, but, you know, also um, 
getting the right education. So yes, you can men be mentored into it, but um, typically you would start with a smaller um, board, a smaller organization where it's a not-for-profit and you have your learnings there. You learn about governance practices, how to run a, a meeting, maybe chair a committee, become a chair of a board. And then eventually you move into um, the larger boards um, and then eventually into private uh, or into um, public company boards, which mm -hmm. is a whole nother level. Um, there's liability involved and public yeah. disclosure requirements and um, you know SEC. Uh, so you really want, like typically people wouldn't start there. Like you no. would work your way up <laughs> as part of a career. It's, a, mm -hmm, it's mm -hmm. really like a, a journey and a career and you're building up your learnings along the way. And um, there's a lot of governance um, education out there today. Mm -hmm. So um, I did end up taking my um, ICD.D mm -hmm. uh, designation through the Institute of Corporate Directors. Mm -hmm. um, highly, highly recommended. It's not a, a cheap course to take, but um, it is one of those courses that at first I thought, well, is this really necessary? I've been serving on boards for you know well over a decade. What could I learn? Wow. Mm -hmm. You learn so much information and, you know, um, not just about governance, but about like any of the key issues that are top of mind for boards today around mis risk mitigation, cybersecurity, mm -hmm. um, you know, ESG um, mm -hmm. and ESG governance and climate change governance and so um, <laughs> how to serve on an audit committee, like mm -hmm. the list goes on. So um, great, great learnings there. And um, for anybody who would um, want to pursue like an actual career as a board member um, on paid boards, that's highly recommended. Oh, that's, that's really interesting. But, um, you know, I just, I just, like my brother, for example, when he, when he has his board meeting, and there are quite a few, and, and he's with excellent people on the, on the board with him. He's Richmond Hospital Foundation. People are there because their hearts are in the right place, right? They want to raise, he's from, he lives in Steveson. He wants to raise, you know, capital and make the community better. And I think, you know, that should be a goal of why, you know, among many reasons. Um, but he gets so excited after every meeting because of the people he's with, which I think is so, like, he's constantly sharing with me, oh, we talked about this and that. And I love that he is that excited about. Do you share like similar excitement uh, or, you know, and if you don't, is that the point where you realize, well, maybe I should be serving on another board? Yeah, I, I do get energized and excited about the boards. Um, so most of my boards are, I mean, the, the information is highly confidential. So um, I, I come away with the excitement of all this great information, things that we're planning to do in the future, but I can't really share it with anyone. So, That's tough. Um, That's tough. <laughs> so you know, people will ask me, you know, colleagues or um, my, my partner, he's like, oh, uh, what happened there today? And I'm like, oh, great things. Sign but an I can't NDA. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, can't tell you. Sorry, but I uh, wish I could. So oh. it's, it, it's really great. I mean, um, and that's, I think that the benefit of um, serving on a variety of different boards, because mm. like, I'm learning, um, you know, about the mint and um, there's mining and refining practices, mm -hmm. um, you know, bullion and circulation, not just Canadian circulation, but foreign circulation, like mm -hmm. all of this happening with also the beautiful numismatic um, coins that are coming out from the yeah. mint. 
then I'm on the board of BCAA and I'm learning yeah. about insurance. We run mm. Evo, the car share program, yeah. um, you know, property and casualty, um, you know, travel insurance, like all of this that's happening there, <laughs> right? And, um, you know, there's Science World and I'm on um, some other boards as well um, with Blue Shore, which is credit union right. in a highly regulated um, financial industry. So all the things that I'm learning, um, that like it, it makes for great conversation in terms of the information I'm allowed to share, mm -hmm. but I'm just learning about all the different industries and how our economy fits together in so many different aspects, I think is just really fun and um, oh, expands bet. my mind on a, on a regular basis. Oh, I was just imagining, I mean, you must know, you know, not the current state, but where we're going to go with so many different organizations that it really does map out, you know, what's going to affect so many people, you know, not just in our province, but also across Canada. So I think, you know, mm -hmm. that's, that's some pretty cool, pretty cool understanding. And you know what, when you talked about the, the, the mint, I got to say, I'm, I'm a nerd for this stuff. I actually, when, when COVID broke out last summer, I, um, I thought it'd be interesting. We, we rented it or rented. We bought a Tesla to just drive it to Winnipeg because I said, okay, you know what? You have seven days oh, to return wow. the car. So let's see if we can put 7,000 kilometers on it and try to return it. They didn't take it back just, nice. you know, but um, I did the mint tour with my kids and they're thir 13 and 15 and it was so much wow. fun. You know, it was, it was a nerd trip, but that is somewhere I think everyone in every Canadian should actually go and see, you know, that's the heartland of where money mm -hmm. is made. And it is an honor to see how much, foreign currency is made because you know we have practices and security and all of these things that 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 are lacking uh in a lot of nations and the fact that they trust us yeah. with such an important thing um i think is wonderful i mean it's, it's that that when, mm -hmm. when i saw that one in science world obviously that's you know you know that near and dear as well but the mint i'm like oh that would be amazing i'd love to even just kind of have my dna influencing any of that must be must be mm -hmm. a real honor so yeah, it's so cool. I'm so glad that you were totally paying attention when you were there because so many people don't realize that we don't just make our own coins, right? Mm -hmm. We we produce all of these foreign circulation coins for I think we've done like 75 different countries over the years. Mm -hmm. And when you drive up to the Winnipeg Mint facility, you can see all those flags, flags. Yeah. right up the driveway. And those yeah. are all the different flags of the different countries we've produced coins for. It's so cool. It's it's super cool. It's super cool, and the tour is fantastic. Highly recommended, everyone. You know, if you're if you're yes. going to be doing Winnipeg, um, or is the other one in Ottawa? Is there one in Ottawa and one in Winnipeg? Is that there's one in it? Ottawa as well? The that's, the one in Ottawa looks like a castle, okay. and um, okay. that's that's uh, some production is done there, but not the the circulation coins. It's the mm. numismatic coins that are done there. Okay, well, you know what? Good excuse to go to Winnipeg, people. I don't recommend the winter, but good excuse to go to Winnipeg <laughs> now. Um, well, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you a mean question because you know what? You said you have at least two two kids, so this is one of those ones that uh, I, you know, as a parent of two kids myself, I'd love to hear which of the boards you sit on is nearest and dearest to your heart. What's your number one board? Just like you'd ask, tell oh, me which gosh. one's your favorite kid. <laughs> wow, wow, that's so hard. Like, that's exactly it. It's like I can't mm -hmm. pick who's my favorite child because I learned something from each one of them. Um, you know, my current boards, I would say, like the mint, I've been there um, for four years now, so um, it's it's become easier because the learning curve was so difficult in okay. in the beginning. So you join a board and you've got these amazingly um, brilliant people around you and that learning curve is like whoa um it's hard to enjoy at first because you're you're learning and you're nervous about um not adding value right mm. so um i think in the beginning i didn't enjoy as 
as much as I do now, four years down the road, where I'm really like feeling, I'm feeling it. Mm-hmm. Um, BCAA um, is wonderful just because it's this purpose-led organization, um, so much innovation involved, but so mm-hmm. is the Mint, super innovative in terms of the technology that you've already talked about with the security and the the, the work that's being done there. Mm-hmm. So those are amazing. Um, then I joined the board of um, Blue Shore Financial this year and um, you know, really intimidated about um, oh, yeah. joining a financial um, organization um, and a credit union, again, fits my, um, my value set in terms mm-hmm. of it being um, you know, a credit union, community. really care about the members mm-hmm. in the community. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. so like, Blue Shore is also amazing and doing amazing work in terms of innovations um, for the future with mm-hmm. um, open banking coming up and the payments, uh, moderniz- payment modernization happening in Canada as well. So lots to learn there. Um, science world um, has always been um, dear to my heart. Like you, my kids went there. And mm-hmm. They they did all the summer camps. We mm-hmm. slept over the first night um, oh. for the the sleepover when they when they offered it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I you can't choose. <laughs> so, so e- easier question then. Which one's your favorite kid? <laughs> no, I, see i have a favorite one it's one that, that's listening I'll, I'll leave i'll i'll leave i'll leave it there but well you know what let's 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 amplify your message then because i'm sure you get lots of people asking but what is that one dream board that you would tell your you know sing it high praise if you're asked to is there is there one that you aspire to like you know be it international or or, or national oh, or, or what is there anyone that you want to be on that you can say i have done what i need to do yeah, so I wouldn't say a particular um, board that I've kind of targeted or thought through, but um, I would like to serve on a public company board um, mm-hmm. for that additional piece of, of um, learnings that um, I don't yet have. So that's kind of my mm-hmm. next step in my career, board career that I would like okay. to aspire to is serving on a public company board. Very cool. I guess you move a little bit up the risk food chain with uh, with the public boards too. So that's uh, you know all, all the experience you got prior is ready for that. Well, that I think that's I think that's interesting. And you know what? I'm I'm pretty sure that I'm going to hear in the news or somewhere at some point that you are on multiples of them and doing great work. So, um, well, I think you know just from talking, I think I already have an answer to this one. But I, in 2018, I, re- I, re- I read an article that you wrote in 2018. I didn't read. Well, maybe I read it in 2018. It's very possible. Um, but it's an article you wrote that's called "Networking Without Fear: Tips for Both Introverts and Extroverts." So, which one are you, an introvert or an extrovert? Total, total introvert. Really? I wasn't Absolutely thinking that. Absolutely 100%. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'm most comfortable um, alone and, and kind of recharging at home. And, and um, you know, COVID's been a huge struggle for many people because mm. of the social element that's mm-hmm. missing. And, um, you know, of course, it's a health crisis and an economic crisis for many. But um, mm-hmm. for a lot of people, it's the mental health crisis of like, just not being connected with people. And um, I've been fine with that aspect of it because I don't have to be out there and constantly connecting uh, with people. I mean, doing this virtually is is fantastic, mm-hmm. um, but um, I'm quite comfortable not uh, going out and socializing on a regular basis. Good to know. Well, when you wrote that article, then did you write for the introvert side first before the extrovert side? Because you had to think about it more. 
think I did. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, I think that's great. Well, you, 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 I mean, you write a lot of articles and I think that's such, you know, you're, you're sharing your wealth of knowledge and, and the treasure and, and, you know, like business in Vancouver, for example, which is, you know, a magazine that I love. And uh, um, I think it's really important. Um, when you write articles, like, do you say, this is what I want to write about? Or do they, they come up to you and say, Hey, what are your thoughts on this? Is this something you want to write about? Like, how, how is, how is that uh, in, like the inspiration for the article? How's that come to be? Yeah, they're, they're all from me. Um, mm-hmm. t- typically, um, I mean, with BIB, it's sharing, um, you know, kind of knowledge around technology. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think there are so many, um, you know, great articles out there about technology as well, that um, sometimes I, I kind of branch into other topic ideas as well. So, mm-hmm. you know, networking is certainly not about technology. Um, but I've written all sorts of things about um, getting more women into technology um, sectors, for instance. So kind of branching out from technology to kind of hiring practices and, and culture and, uh, you know, ESG matters like that. Um, and talking about imposter syndrome, which is um, mm. something that I feel like I've had an issue with um, for a big part of my life and really? working through it and mm-hmm. trying to help other people, especially women who mm-hmm. um, typically there are more women who say that they're afflicted by it. Mm. Um, just sharing my learnings on, on um, you know, how to get over those types of feelings of um, you know, not, not measuring up to others. Ah, well, I think I think others measure themselves to you and aspire to be there. So I, I, I think imposter, imposter, mind you, imposter syndrome might be something you write about. But like I thought, maybe you're extroverted. I think that you probably should not suffer from it. But I understand. And and you know, I mean, it's interesting what you say about how you're trying to you know amplify the voice of women in tech and business. Because uh, I was in I was in uh, Lisbon two weeks ago for the Web Summit and had an amazing time being an extrovert. I I definitely am on that front. But the thing that it was <laughs> was shocking is at the at the event one of the um, announcers said did you know the one thing about web summit is it's 55 percent women um that are t- taking part and i'm like that's not true and then i looked around i'm like oh my gosh it definitely is that is not only incredible but i love the fact that that is something that you know uh, especially a time when there's a health crisis in europe and you know it is a little bit braver uh, i mean i'll i'll put the dirty secrets out there i had covid last november and double vax so i was feeling a little less nervous about uh you know about yeah. going for a second round through covid um but I was so amazed by the fact that there's so much representation of 42,000 people there that there was 55% female. And I hope that's a theme that's going to continue. Yeah, no. That's amazing. I, I love that because um, the, the number of women in, in tech is still a big issue, right? But here, maybe it's less so in Europe, but definitely um, in Canada and BC, our numbers aren't great. No, and, they need to improve. Um, yeah, yeah, I think I think it's twenty four percent of uh, women um, in in tech, and then when you get move up the chain of people, uh, women in in uh, managerial roles or um, CEO and founder roles, those numbers keep declining. So that's something that um, needs to continue to change, and diversity is just so important. 100% agreed. I mean, I love the fact that on, on our company, we try to be as much female-led as possible, but also diverse. I mean, it's it's I don't know if it's a Vancouver thing or a Canadian thing, but it's just when you get so many diverse opinions in a room, it's amazing what, you know, what problems you can solve together. And uh, so again, yeah. I, you know, I salute all of that because I think it's super important in order to, to be world-class, you have to be thinking that way. 
I, I, I really believe. Um, well, you know what, let's, let's do this. The theme of afternoon tea is to, uh, you know, to talk to wonderful entrepreneurs like yourself in order to expedite the journey for the next generation of startups. So I always have these two questions that I always ask, um, that I love to, I love to hear from you. So first off, can you share one piece of advice to help a young Canadian founder, um, do what they need to do? Yeah, I, well, I would say first and foremost to, um, do your research because a lot of people have um, fantastic ideas and by not doing appropriate research in the beginning knowing the the total addressable market and understanding who the competitors are what funding you need in order to to get to the next step um, and not doing the preparatory work ends you in a situation where you get only get so far and then realize, oh, I need to change course and, and back, back, back step, right? So I think having that plan and doing the mm -hmm. research is really, really important. But once you've done that, go for it. Because for the it. fear of not not doing it and and um, saying, oh, well, you know, all these other people are already doing it. What's my niche? And can mm -hmm. I actually develop a moat to move my all forward? And how do I differentiate? Like figure it all out. And once mm -hmm. you figured out your plan, then you gotta go and execute. Love it, love it. So plan, 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 people. We've got lots, we've got lots of opportunity to think it through holistically in 360 degrees, right? Um, that is that is fantastic. That's fantastic. So last question today, I promise you. Well, we'll see, you know, we'll see where this goes to make it the last <laughs> question. But can you share the name of a Canadian entrepreneurial star or founder that you personally look up to? Oh, gosh. Um, I would say Lori Schultz. So nice. Lori from, yeah, ACL um, mm -hmm. became galvanized and she mm -hmm. just... Oh, yeah. um, <laughs> exited the company and um, sold it to um, Diligent mm -hmm. in the last year for over a billion dollars. So big B. Yeah, she, she's amazing. And mm -hmm. um, just, you know, the, her, her ability to execute and to lead the team and really transform the company into a billion dollar organization mm -hmm. and, and exit like that. Um, she's just one of the people I've spoken at events with her. We've become friends over the years mm -hmm. and um, she's just somebody that I, I really, really admire. I, I'm so glad you shared, Lori, because, you know, I, I, I look up to her in a, in a very similar way of, you know, creating so much value in the community and no one's mentioned her yet. And I don't know why. So thank I you. I, I think that's I think that's a huge value. Plus, I love when you see the purple muscle cars going around town, you know, that's galvanized. Um, I don't have you have you seen them? It's like the 1970s or 60s muscle car with galvanized on the side. I, I think it's pretty. Oh, cool. gosh, I haven't. I know, oh, yeah? Now I need to go look for them. <laughs> there you go. Well, you know what? Now now that they sold, they, they could probably have as many of them as they want. So, uh, you know, <laughs> well, it's about thank you so much for joining us today and for helping us, you know, learn not only about, you know, the great things you did with with with, with web names and where you're going, but also on the boards and, and, and for just for sharing with us. Uh, I, I think it's been a real great learning experience for all of us. Well, thank you so much for having me here. It's been a lot of fun. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. Ahoy, Afternoon Tea listeners. If you got this far, I assume you like this episode and that is awesome. Thank you. 
In such a case, please rate and review Afternoon Tea Podcast and subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your feeds from. Afternoon Tea is a podcast with a goal to share the stories of Canada's successful tech entrepreneurs in order to prepare the next wave of founders. We do have some great guests lined up for future episodes, but we would love to hear your thoughts too. Please do let us know who you think should be on the show. You can do so by emailing me at podcast at tt.studio that is p-o-d-c-a-s-t at t-t-t that is three t's dot studio you will notice there is no dot com because we are that sophisticated furthermore you can find us at social media at t-t-t underscore studios i look forward to chatting with you soon